Sixth round, Al's expected off to the league. Brian Hartline gets a much-deserved promotion. And yes, we'll talk about Shooty Hoops. Pain us, though it might. All that and more in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. Andy Vance joining you as always alongside the erudite, the respectable, the respectful Johnny Getter. Johnny, uh, let's start with the big news of the week. As expected, although he made us wait till about the last possible minute to declare, C.J. Stroud is off to the league here uh, after to be a first round draft pick, maybe the top uh, overall pick, certainly the top quarterback taken wouldn't be a surprise. The least surprising news ever. Why did he make us wait so long to announce this? Well, I think, I mean, part of it, I think was just because you're trying to go for maximum visibility. You don't want to, you don't want to bury the lead, I guess, and and do it right. You know, some people are like, why doesn't he do it before the national champion? Well, I don't know why you would do that. That would be insane. Um, you you want to, I think, get clear of the national championship a little bit, get clear of the playoff games, or at least like the first round. You're not going to wait till the Super Bowl, obviously. So, you know, I think announcing on a Monday when you've got like a week, you know, kind of to yourself right now. I mean, yeah, there, I guess there's another playoff game tonight, but I don't know. I, I can understand. There's a lot going on and you kind of want to, you know, if you're building your brand, trying to get your name, you know, at the top of those draft boards, I, I think a good way to start is to, um, you know, find the most attention on yourself. So this is, this is probably a good way to do it. I don't think it's like crazy long anyway. It's not like you dragged this out until February or something like that. What, what amused me was that the longer it, it went, the more people are like, well, and I think there was a piece in Yahoo Sports or The Athletic or somewhere uh, talking about, you know, could NIL be the reason that CJ Stroud? Yeah, no, that's back? dumb. <laughs> and whichever national writer was that wrote it, you know, they kind of put the CYA caveat in there that if if not Stroud, someone will at some point. And, and I suppose that's true. And they did use the example of say Peyton Manning uh, coming back for their the, the one last rodeo sort of thing. Yeah. But there, they, you know, there again, the, these are kind of the exception that proves the rule. If you mm-hmm. can get, if you can get first round money, go take the first round money. Let's talk about what this uh, means. Big picture one. And I think this is one that people have been talking about since the Michigan game. What do you do with CJ Stroud? the the legacy question if you're an ohio state fan how should i feel about cj stroud as an ohio state quarterback given his greatness if you break down the individual components maybe the best pure passer we've ever seen and so on versus the results i.e a rose bowl win i guess is about all you have to show when you think about the things that ohio state generally cares about How, how do i feel about this guy uh, I mean, honestly, I, I think it'll be mixed. And, and if you look at like pure talent, pure passing talent, I mean, he's, he's probably one of the best to ever do it, if not the best. Yeah, I, but, I'm comfortable saying best thrower we've seen it, certainly in my lifetime. Yeah. And you know what? And that's the thing, and because like legacy is a hard thing and nothing I think maybe emphasizes more that football is a team sport than discussions like this, because it's not like, I mean, I guess you can even say in basketball, I mean, of course, basketball is a team sport, but in basketball, you've got five guys and one guy can completely change the tenor of, of the game. I mean, in, in, in football, yes, you're a quarterback. Yes, you're touching the ball every single play, but it's not like CJ Stroud was ever bad in any of the games or even mediocre in the games that he lost. I mean, this, yeah, his, his games... quote unquote off games were still better than almost what? 95% of the people yeah. playing and, the position. And, and his losses against Michigan, he was still brilliant. I mean, he did everything possible 
possibly that, you know, he could, he was asked to, to win those games. Um, you know, in the Rose bowl, of course, I mean, he had a, and I mean, everybody talks about what Jackson Smith and Jigwood did, but you know, he had a Herculean effort in that game. Um, you know, it's in, in all of these games, he performed incredibly well, but because the team that was on the other side, Ralph, not even the team, because the other, the other side of the, uh, the team, the defense just could not keep up with what the offense was producing. Um, he lost a lot of those games. And, and so it's not, it's weird because it's not like something where you're going to criticize this guy for being bad or like, you'll be frustrated with his performance, but the results just weren't there. And maybe honestly, that's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to predict too far in the future and who knows how long Ryan Day will stick around, but maybe that's going to be the same narrative that we have about Ryan Day. It's like, all right, well, you win 90, 95% of your games. That's great. But you lose all the ones that, that really count. And right now, neither of them have great records. And so you can look at some of the amazing numbers and stats and things like that, but ultimately, you know, it wins and losses are what matters. Stetson Bennett has two national championship rings. He's probably not going to be remembered as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time but he's got two national championship ranks and that's really all that matters. I, I kind of look at this. I mean, it's the, the obvious and maybe, maybe it's bad because it's obvious. I don't know. The obvious comparison that jumped into my mind is Dan Marino. Mm. You, you've got a guy considered one of the best to ever play the position. He don't have any rings on his finger. <laughs> you know, right. this is, yeah. this is kind of what we see with CJ Stroud. I, I think you could absolutely look at him and be like, yeah, he's the guy I'm picking in Madden, but, <laughs> but it doesn't have well, and that's the thing though because pants. you know and <laughs> i made that comparison earlier like jt barrett well, okay jt barrett was a winner and, and does that mean now that's what's so messed up about this kind of conversation is that okay you put jt barrett on these teams do they, do they win against michigan no <laughs> now 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 here's the thing now here's where that question is really interesting because i might take exception in that specific case because one of the things that i think was a fair knock on cj stroud and this mm. is and you can only base this from the outside looking in you're not in the room you don't know but i mean we took an extended period of time at a dubcast earlier this this year or, or i should say in 2022 last year to talk about who's the guy and we use jt barrett as the example of, of the leader of the team the clear voice in the room so to speak who was saying hey boys get your poop in a group we're going to do this and, and you and I were sitting there like, who is that guy on this team? And we were trying to figure that out. Uh, and we went through the whole thing of, you know, we don't love the body language thing and so on and so forth. But, but I do wonder if you had JT Barrett in the locker room in a minute, because I watched that Georgia Ohio state playoff game. And I can't tell you how on earth Ohio state lost to Michigan after also watching Michigan get thoroughly pantsed by TCU and then watching TCU get even more thoroughly pantsed right. by the Georgia team that Ohio state damn near beat in, in, in a Georgia stadium. So, you know, transit of property sucks and all that sort of thing. But I, I mean, that was a different ball club that played Georgia than we saw play Michigan. And the only thing that I can point to that was different between one game and the other was that these are college kids playing a football game. And sometimes you just got to say college kids going to college kids. I just, I don't see, I mean, yes, I do think that they would be more emotionally charged when you have a leader like that in the locker room. And I do think that does make somewhat of a difference. I also don't think that Ohio state scores, you know, 
43 points two years ago and then what like what was this well how many they put up 45 yeah they don't think they score 46 points in 2022 with jt barrett especially when they couldn't even get to 25 with with cd stroud so to me it's just a sheer numbers thing I, i don't think you know i don't think you replace that but again you know, you've got better defenses around C- around uh, JT Barrett. You've got sure. probably a better running game. Um, there's a lot of elements there. And that's kind of my point. Like, it, it's just not fair to CJ Stroud to make that kind of legacy comparison. But we're going to do it anyway, because that's how we remember these guys. Right. Yeah. Like, we don't, yeah, you can't we don't just look at numbers. Right. And that's the thing. That's the other thing. Like, you know, J.K. Dobbins, for example, should be remembered if you're just looking at, at sheer numbers. Yes. You know, Dobbins should be considered one of the greatest running backs in Ohio State history, if not like a top two or three guy because of what he was able to do. The first dude to ever run for 2000 yards as an Ohio State running back, which is insane if you think yes. about it. Yes. Uh, but we don't do that because he wasn't like a Heisman candidate necessarily. And, uh, you know, he had kind of a, a down year, his sophomore year. So people don't do that. Um, but that's that's just part of it. It's it's it really is. You take a team sport and then you apply it to individual performances. And when we think about legacy, we do it all the time. It's not fair, but that's kind of how it works in our memories. And it's you know, that's what CJ Stroud. That's that's kind of what he's going to have to deal with. And he talked about that. Um, I think after I think it was after the mission game or maybe after the the loss against Georgia was like, yeah, you know, you're gonna have to live with that legacy. Like that's when people think of me, that's what they're going to think about. And, you know, he kind of said, I can't do anything about that. Well, that's, <laughs> that's true. Now you can't. Um, and, you know, again, in those games, I don't think he I don't think he did anything that would should make people think lesser of him. Um, it just. I think serves to underline and emphasize that uh, Ohio state had the capacity for greatness in the past several seasons here, past two or three seasons really, and just did not have the guys on the other side of the ball to really cement that legacy. Uh, And you know, to me, it's a defense thing. You don't have the defense. You can't win a championship and they just, they never have, or they haven't rather in the past several years couple times during this episode we're going to bounce back and forth between college game and the league here now that we're in the yeah the heart of nfl playoffs uh stroud will be the third ohio state qb to go in the first 15 picks of the draft over the past mm-hmm. five years dwayne haskins was number 15 overall in 2019 justin fields number 11 in 2021 question is is this the first buckeye <laughs> to be the first quarterback in the top 10 picks uh, since Arch Schleister was number four in 82. Does he make it in the top 10? And more importantly, is he the first quarterback off the board? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't know. Because your other options, exactly. you got Alabama's Bryce Young seems to be the sexy right. choice. Uh, yeah. Will Levis at Kentucky, Anthony Richardson at Florida, all um, early first rounders. It seems like, Where, I mean, if you're, if you're a GM watching these guys play why do you take young over stroud or stroud over young what's your decision matrix there well they i mean they nfl is all about the intangibles right like that's that's their whole thing and like to a certain extent i can understand that i also think they they get way too in the weeds with some of that and, and overthinking easy or an obvious um you know decision but in this case, I do think Bryce, I think he's an excellent quarterback. And I think he does bring a lot of the intangibles that the NFL wants. I, I, I think he will be selected above CJ Stroud. 
um, in part because I think he's shown the willingness to do things throughout, you know, that the NFL kind of demands now. They, they want a Joe Burrow type. I, I really do think that. I think a lot of the teams, you don't have to be Pat Mahomes. You don't have to be, you know, Jared, you don't have to be, you know, five feet tall or 500 feet tall and, you know, built like a tank and, and also be willing to make circus throws all the time. But if you're a Justin Herbert, if you're a Joe Burrow guy who can just go in there and, and be smart and, and be tough and hard nosed, I think they like guys like that. Um, and I think Bryce Young fits that mold better than CJ Stroud. He's just really kind of that pure passer who, who wants to be the Tom Brady, right? Like that's, that's the guy that he wants to be and that's fine. Um, but right now I think the NFL is trending towards dudes like Bryce Young. And so my guess is he will be picked in terms of quarterbacks. I think he'll be picked first. I don't know how high CJ Stroud will go. Cause I don't really know what the demands are. Like, I don't know what the needs are for the various teams right now. I'll have to take a look at that, but um, I think Bryce would go ahead of him. I think that's probably my read of the tea leaves uh, as well. It'll be interesting to watch now. Of course, the next most important question on the docket is you know, QB battle underway again. Kyle McCord, Devin Brown showdown in spring ball uh, coming toward us because it feels like there is not a clear cut answer to the question. Uh, and I really enjoyed listening last week to our counterparts on Real Pod Wednesdays, uh, Dan Hope uh, and Griffin Strom, talking about the impending quarterback battle. Mm-hmm. And Dan said it. You know, this is this is one where you know, and he's uh, he's super in tune to what's happening in the program, where there isn't an obvious. Uh, oh, here's the clear front runner. Maybe there was the feeling that Stroud was when it was his time to step up. There was sort of a feeling that he was the guy. Um, what do we know about these two cats and, and are you eagerly, uh, looking forward to a, a good old fashioned quarterback battle? Uh, well, to answer your second question first, I, um, I'm always looking forward to a good old fashioned quarterback battle. I, and, and, and seriously though, like I really do enjoy when there is a legitimate, uh, like honest to goodness battle where guys are saying okay well i'm you know i'm going to go out there there's no presumptive starter we're just going to see who performs the best and then then we'll select that person i think that's really the heart of what you know types you know these types of sports should be it shouldn't be this guy has earned it by dent of his you know recruiting rankings or something like that so i do think there'll be like a legitimate quarterback battling that's great i mean Devin brown you know come out he was you know, pretty highly rated as a four-star, um, you know, top 50 national player. I think he's he's got the skills, but I don't know anything about the dude. I haven't seen the guy play. <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't know anything about that dude. Uh, I think, you know, if it's Kyle McCord, Ohio State will be in good hands. What little we've seen of him, he seems pretty solid. And I think that'll only uh, increase with the fact that he'll be throwing to, you know, a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. and, and the ones and the twos instead of like the threes and the fours um, and has an entire offseason to, to get some rapport with them. Um, but honestly, I, you know, you're going to take a step back no matter who you get. And that's that to me actually is more interesting than anything else because it's not a situation where, okay, well, it doesn't matter if we don't have a running game, right? And, and look, the Ohio State, when they were playing Georgia, essentially functioned as an NFL team where it was, we have a running game. It exists, but it's really only there to keep you honest. And that was fine. It, it worked really, really well against Georgia. Um, the problem is, is that, 
you're not going to have a talent in terms of, you know, at the level of uh, CJ Stroud. And so you can't really pull that same thing against teams next year. You're going to have to have a much more balanced offense, um, despite the fact that you'll have Marvin Harris, you know, the best wide receiver in the country uh, and a bunch of other dudes who could potentially be the next best wide receiver in the country. You're still going to have to have a more balanced offense. So I'm curious to see, I guess, both, uh, who ends up winning that quarterback competition and also what direction Ryan day wants to go with this offense, right? Like, does he want Kyle McCord because he's going to be a certain type of passer? Does he want Devin Brown because he's going to be more multidimensional? That's what I'm more interested in. I want to see what the offense is going to look like. And I think who has the inside track on the quarterback race will go a long way toward determining what the offense looks like as a whole. Yeah, it's uh, in the last 26 games Ohio State's played, uh, only 72 pass attempts came from guys not named C.J. Stroud. So we don't have a whole yeah. lot. Of, we don't have a lot of film on these guys. Uh, so it, it, it's going to be, uh, I, I think, a fun spring to try to figure that out. I, they're super talented guys, no question about it. Um, and and I think we're going to see a lot of writing and discussion and so on about the merits and virtues. Now, I'm also of the opinion that in the day and age that we're in, whichever one of these guys doesn't get the starting position is probably going somewhere else after spring ball. Am I just a cynical bastard or does that seem like a reasonable assumption? I don't know. I, you know, cause if it's, if it's Kyle McCord, um, I mean, Devin Brown's really young. I mean, the guy like, I, you know, didn't play it. Did he play at all? I don't think, I think he might've gotten in for like a half second or something. Um, but you know, he's got a lot of years ahead of him. He's got a lot of time ahead of him. He's not like hurting, uh, for transfer time. I think, um, Kyle McCord, if he ends up getting beaten out, then yes, I can see that dude transferring, um, just because he's already got two years under his belt and, you know, could be looking for a place to make an impact, but, I don't know. I, I think it really does depend on who gets it and, and kind of what their mindset is at that point in time, because honestly, like, OK, let's say Kyle McCord gets in or, or you know, gets the court, gets the starting job. Um, Devin Brown might look at that and go, OK, well, I can wait another year and then I'll be the starter. And I'm cool with that. Um, now, granted, you know, you might be looking at <laughs> who's coming in after that. <laughs> Uh, cause there's always more talent coming in behind you. You gotta, you know, be conscious of that, but, um, I don't know. I, I don't Lincoln think that's King necessarily four star top 200 recruit. He's yeah. certainly not going to be one that we're expecting to be part of this conversation. Cause he's not even going to get here until summertime, but you're, you're right. Certainly as Ohio state continues to put more, more guys in the funnel. Uh, if you're somebody who's sitting there waiting on a starting spot, you know? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. And what will be interesting is to see what this quarterback battle looks like with new offensive coordinator, Brian Hartline in the mix, right. a promotion that again, didn't necessarily surprise anybody particular when we knew that Ohio state was unlikely to bring in an outsider as offensive coordinator. Once the announcement was made of uh promotion of Keenan Bailey to be the uh, tight ends coach, it seemed all but a foregone conclusion that Hartline or another current member of the staff would would get the nod. The question that I think remains a little bit unanswered for me is what this means for the question of Ryan Day and play calling. Does a first-year offensive coordinator get the sticks right off the bat, or is this going to be sort of a uh, uh, Ryan Day putting his arm around Brian and they're going to have some sort of 
you know, tribunal of play callers in the mix. I think there'll be a lot of guys involved with that. I think essentially what you'll say or see is like, you know, Ryan day saying, I want this kind of call, right? Like we got a situation. What can you give me? And then you'll, you know, you'll hear from Brian Hartline, Brian Hartline, be like, all right, this is the play we're going with. And Ryan day say, cool. And then they'll relay it to the, the quarterback. And then I think they will be good to go. But I don't, I don't think it'll be a situation where it's just Brian Hartline on an Island dictating everything to the offense. I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, yeah, I, I really do think it's going to be kind of by committee. And honestly, you know, it's <laughs> Ryan Day is a guy who I think is pretty good at uh, understanding what his offense needs and what the requirements are. And I got to believe that Brian Hartline, after being with the program for this long of a period and, and being with Ryan Day for this long of a period, they probably have some pretty good rapport when it comes to offensive play calling so that it's not going to be i mean i understand why he's like giving up uh you know the reins a little bit because it is kind of difficult to juggle all those things all at once um but really it's it's going to be kind of a brain trust and i i think that's not going to really impact a whole lot honestly i mean brian hartline is probably going to have a different approach in some ways but i don't see how this changes a whole lot of what ohio state tends to do or tries to do i think that's right you have a tremendous amount of continuity on that staff with with uh, starting with ryan day brian hartline uh and of course core dennis is is quarterbacks coach tony alford is running backs coach justin fry uh offensive line now fry being the the newest member of the team because although keenan bailey is just promoted from support staff to tight ends he's been on staff for a while yeah yeah so you've got a lot of continuity there and again you know you made the point earlier talking about the loss to michigan the offense is not necessarily the reason Ohio State lost that football game. No. So, uh, with with that in mind, you didn't necessarily need to blow up the offense. And and in fact, if Kevin Wilson hadn't left to take a head coaching job, I I don't know that they would have made any changes to the staff. Although this certainly is a a, a nice opportunity to promote a guy you want to keep on staff as a recruiter and as a position coach as long mm-hmm. as you absolutely possibly can. Is there a more effective guy as a as an assistant coach over the past five years than Brian Hartline? I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, any, I mean, I, like, how is how is this guy not winning the Broyles Award just like every year? It, it, yeah, it's it, 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 I mean, it's honestly, I mean, it, to me, it's my. I don't want to oversell it, but I I don't know how you can improve on what Brian Hartline has done recruiting and coaching wide receivers at Ohio State. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, and the thing is, is like you know, somebody might make the argument that, uh, you know, well, it's just the talent there that, you know, they're just bringing in the best guy. So of course doing great. But then you look at a dude like Chris Olave, who was a three-star and everybody was kind of like, okay, you know, he wasn't a huge recruit. And then Brian Hartline transforms him into one of, if not the best wide receiver in the country. And then now he's in the NFL, you know, having a thousand yard season and, and looking like one of the best rookies in years, you know, <laughs> along with, Garrett, well, you know, so like, uh, yeah, I, it's got to be him. He's he's pretty pretty fantastic, and any program would be lucky to have a guy to promote to offensive coordinators doing that well in the position that he is. Another uh, name that is sticking with the program, uh, Lathan Ransom. Ransom announced that he'll be staying at Ohio State for his senior season. Uh, unmitigated good news for Ohio State. I think he was one of the other, along with C.J. Stroud, one of the the last two people that 
were draft eligible that we didn't know where they were going. If if Ohio State had had lost him to the draft uh, draft, I think that would have been pretty bad news for uh, the program, given the questions about depth and uh, talent in the defensive secondary in particular. But but I feel like although <clears throat> his draft stock may have taken a hit, you know, in in the Michigan and Georgia games, he got beat a few times. I think he's a guy that still has a tremendous uh, amount of potential and and will continue to grow and produce and perform in the Jim Knowles defense. Uh, am, am, am I my out in left field there or or is he as a guy is he a guy Ohio State is definitely happy to see come back? No, I think you you got it. I mean, you want more talent in the backfield as, as much as you can. I, he definitely had an up and down season. There were some games where he just looked like a monster and there was nothing getting by him. And there are other games where he just looked lost. So I think he recognizes that another year and the system is, is going to help him out. And obviously it's going to help him with his draft stock too. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that he's coming back. I also, you know, you want to see improvement. You want to see him, you know, kind of take that next step to the point where you can look at him like a Von Bell, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. and, and, and really, like there are do, there's nobody in the defensive secondary the dbs don't have a guy where you're like that's a guy who's just gonna he's a lockdown dude he always has an assignment latham was close to that and then there were some games like i said towards the end of the season where he just fell off a cliff and you can't have that especially especially in a defense that is just completely feast or famine where you have this propensity to you know give up huge huge uh you know plays in really bad situations um hopefully another year will turn him into the guy that prevents that kind of stuff so um yeah it's great that he's coming back and i he definitely has room for improvement he's already a really good player but you know you take that next step you can become a guy who's a top 10 draft pick and of course the other uh piece of News that I thought was really interesting in terms of are they staying or are they going was the conclusion of this year's soap opera involving gentleman Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah. Would he stay or would he go? Would the league welcome him with open arms? And no, it appears that no one in the National Football League wants to work with Jim Harbaugh after all. And Michigan uh, president, uh, what is his name? Santo Ono. Got involved, and and I, I want to make a Christmas joke there so bad for the Michigan fans, uh, but Jim Harbaugh is coming back, President Ono announcing that uh, the great news, Jim Harbaugh is going to remain as head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. How much do you hate this drama if you're a Michigan fan, and, and how should I as an Ohio State fan feel about uh, now, I think, reasonable foil Jim Harbaugh coming back to coach my hated arch rival another go-round? I don't know. I mean, I, I think at this point, Michigan fans were kind of just over it. And Harbaugh's kind of a drama queen in a lot of ways when it comes to this kind of stuff. I, I think there was real interest on his part in going to the NFL. I think that has been pretty consistent over the past several years. And I think he's still probably salty about getting his pay docked, although at that point, completely reasonable you know, telling him essentially spend this money on assistance, which they did end up doing. And that obviously helped the program. Yeah. That paid um, dividends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, that looked in hindsight, that looks like, and I know like there are a lot of people who hate ward manual right now, because sure. apparently he and Jim Harbaugh don't get along, 
but yeah, but I, I mean, I got to be honest. Looking back on that now, that looks like a brilliant management decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little fire under his ass, and also said like, "Hey, you want to get paid? Then actually, like, find some dudes who will help you win games, as opposed to just kind of like." screwing around and that was the thing i mean jim harbaugh's approach especially the quarterback position and granted i'm gonna his approach to the quarterback position is still suspect i i, I want people to understand like you you might just watch the michigan game and go oh well he's got this figured out you know jj mccarthy is great and it's like ah not necessarily um but regardless getting a fire lit on his ass hiring really good assistance offensively and defensively to kind of revamp what they were doing to give them an identity was huge. And that's, that's really kind of, you know, revitalized their program. But the long and short of it is, is that I think this is something that Michigan fans are gonna have to deal with every offseason until Harbaugh eventually retires or leaves one of the two, um, because he does want to go back to the NFL. I do think it's really funny that it doesn't seem like the NFL really has that much interest in Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> like I, I honestly believe that he thinks his, his stock as a coach is much higher than it actually is. Yeah. Um, and maybe if he wins a national championship or something like that, it'll, it'll be at where he thinks it should be. Um, but you know, this happened two years ago where he essentially walked into the Vikings office and said, okay, I got the job. What are you going to pay me? And they're like, no, <laughs> you're here to actually interview um and i think the you know like the overtures to to carolina and 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 uh denver were real this year but again they're the nfl isn't necessarily looking for you know guys from the college ranks which is what even though harbaugh had really successful you know had really successful nfl stand i, I think that's what he's perceived to be um i i think they're looking for younger dudes who are like off like coordinators you know offensively minded all that kind of stuff and harbaugh's not necessarily that dude so, um, you know, the longer it goes on, the less appealing I think he'll be to the NFL or conversely, the less picky he'll get about any potential job openings. Because right now, again, he wants to jump into a position where he can he can win. And he doesn't have to do a complete rebuild of, of an NFL team. But we'll see also. I mean, Michigan's making hay with the transfer portal, but we'll see. Uh, if he ends up getting fed up with stuff like the NIL or transfer portal, because if, if that happens, that can also force his hand. But regardless, general point here that I'm trying to make is that it's not going to stop. <laughs> um, but I also don't see him leaving Michigan anytime soon unless something drastically changes. Yeah, it's uh, it's got to be infuriating if you're a fan of that team. It's amusing as, as a fan of this team. Well, It'll be other... funnier if he actually leaves. I at this point, I'm just kind of tired of it. And I and like I was watching some of the Michigan sites about this, and they they really weren't even really that that bothered in my opinion because they 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 were bothered maybe last year because they saw like Michigan was on the precipice of doing something really cool, and now after this year, after that like long two month saga um i think now they just they're over it i think they're just completely over it yeah i think next year it'll be like the boy who cried wolf sort of thing you know yeah, like, exactly oh, hardball's part exactly. in the nfl again yeah it's okay he's coming back nobody right. you know it's not right nobody we'll needs to be worried about it yeah right exactly uh but it's what a what an odd dude uh yeah, and it's, it's super weird it, it, yeah and I, and I always of course as somebody who who finds the, the 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 coaching carousel to be interesting uh it's kind of fascinating to think about like do these GMs not want to hire him because he's just a big weirdo and they don't want to deal with him, you know, might uh, be part of it. I mean, shoot. well, I mean, think about it, you know, it's you're, you're trusting, you're trusting, 
you know, your success as a general manager to your head coach, right? You got to buy, sure. you got to buy the talent. Like that's your job as the GM, but then anyway, well, uh, well, I think here's a real quick though. I, I think it's interesting how these decisions are made because, you know, Urban Meyer is a huge freaking weirdo and people you know, have trouble communicating with him and don't like talking with him, interacting with him on a certain level. And he was, he was snatched up pretty quickly. He was, um, but guess what? He's not going back to the league anytime soon. That's right. But that's my, what I'm saying though, is, is that it, it's about perception. It's about how you're perceived and about as a coach and as a person. And, you know, Urban Meyer was perceived as a guy's like, well, he's, you know, he's, he's a jerk, but he gets results. You know what I mean? Like, ah, damn, you're the, <laughs> you know, it's the detective who gets called in after destroying like 20 cop cars and, and, you know, destroying a building and everything. And <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> I'd, I'd ask for your badge, but you get results. Exactly. Um, and that's kind of the way Urban Meyer was perceived. He was, he was this guy who was just going to break things, but like, ah, you're too good to get, get, get rid of. And of course that wasn't the case. He was, you know, he shows up to Jacksonville and he's just disinterested and doesn't actually do his job. But um, with Jim Harbaugh, I think he's perceived as a big weirdo, but they don't, they're not convinced of the results. I think that's really the big thing about it. If he was, if he was a guy, they were like, we're going to bring him in and it's hundred percent guaranteed that, you know, our team's going to go to the playoffs. Then uh, I think he would have a job, you know, right the second in the NFL. But I don't think that teams are necessarily convinced of that in part because most teams, especially teams with pretty good rosters, are going we want like a young offensive mind to come in and just you know get us these cool plays that'll get us you know over the hump against cincinnati or kansas city or whoever yeah he's a little he's a little too old school yeah yeah i think that's part of it all right yeah they're, they're not all looking to go man ball or you know whatever whatever they want to right call exactly it Michigan now so. exactly uh let's do one more thing about the nfl before we shift our attention to ho shooty hoops so uh, little little uh, Buckeye action in the playoffs when the Bengals played the Ravens. Ohio State players on both sides of that contest, but the one that uh, I personally enjoyed the most, Sam Hubbard setting an NFL playoff record with his game-winning 98-yard fumble return touchdown. Yeah, buddy. Hubba Hubbard uh, just looked fantastic. Uh, great play there. The Tyler Huntley fumble. I mean, this was this was huge uh game winners i said but man the ravens were were knocking on the door hubbard's great uh i i gotta be honest i don't know if i saw him having the longevity in the league that he has had or the or the impact um he's, he's great a, yeah he's a guy as, as somebody who doesn't profess to be a Bengals fan i he's one of my favorite players in the league yeah he's really fun to watch uh super consistent reminds me a lot of cam hayward although you who, know, who is my favorite guy in the league yeah is, in different is... positions i mean you know hubbard obviously is lining up on the edge a lot more than, than cam yeah, ever will sure. but um in terms of the way they go about their business just very very consistent and um you know hubbard i agree like i thought the guy might have been a little undersized for the league well he was gonna you know the position he was gonna play maybe not quite as explosive as you would expect because you look at a dude like the Boses, right? I mean, both Boses have been unbelievable, but nobody is surprised by that, right? Nobody's right. surprised we have, we have. by Chase Young coming out and being amazing in the league. Um, but there is definitely a place for a guy who can work within a system defensively, does his job consistently, and, you know, has the athleticism to make crazy plays like you saw against the Ravens. So, you know, as a Bengals fan, I was, you know, I was stoked by that. It was incredible. I mean, that's the longest, longest return for a touchdown uh, NFL playoff history. Kind of amazing. 
that he owns that record, especially as a defensive lineman. Um, so yeah, I, you know, he's, he's really fun to watch. I know JK Dobbins was a little salty after that game that he didn't get the ball in that situation, which is probably a, uh, a valid, actually, you know what, Ohio state, Ohio state players kind of all kinds of ticked off after this past weekend, Joey Bosa freaking out against the refs. Oh, Bosa went straight <laughs> off on the ref. His, his huge rant. That was pretty great. JK Dobbins getting mad. He's not getting the ball though. Again, you know, both probably justified. Yeah, but no, they're both right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Dobbins, Dobbins was was on the money there. I, I don't know why you put Tyler Huntley in that position if you're if you're John Harbaugh. You've got J.K. Dobbins, who's one of the best backs in the league. Uh, and and he's a guy who gets the job done. You need a couple yards, give it to that man and let you're you're supposed to be a blue-collar, lunch pale, hard-nosed, old school, between the tackles kind of football team line up and punch the ball in and and why not use your best weapon in that scenario to do that dobbins is the kind of guy who gets that job done instead instead it's a, a takeaway that turns into the backbreaking walk-off type of touchdown for the Bengals. uh baltimore season's over as as, as a, a hater of baltimore lol <laughs> as a fan of jk dobbins he's Absolutely right, and yeah. I don't blame it at all for popping off uh, and saying what needed to be said. Sometimes I think you get too cute by half, and this was one where uh, the Ravens just done did screw up. Yeah, yeah, they did, and, uh, you know, again, the Bengals were the beneficiary of that, so I'm cool with that. And, you know, Joe Burrow, I think, played fairly well but didn't have his best game, and, you know, overall. He did what um, needed to be done. You know what, though? Like, think about Burrow. He was also – his some of those dudes could not hold on to the ball to save their lives. He had a lot of there were a lot of bad drops on the part of Sensi uh receivers in that game. So um but overall good good to see them advance. Uh, the fact that Joe Burrow now owns the uh the Cincinnati record for most uh playoff wins by a quarterback. <laughs> Tells you all you need to know about the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> you know what's really funny about that? I mean, a lot of it's, there's a lot that's funny about that, there's but a lot funny about that. The fact that he has the most by any quarterback in the entire history of the Bengals franchise, and they've been in the playoffs twice in <laughs> years. And, and he's, it's really just like one year of the playoffs plus one game. And he owns that record. It's four games. He's won four games. That's, that's the record. That's all you need to know about Cincinnati. That's Bengals all you right need. There. That's all you need as a quarterback. <laughs> and like, you know, it's not like, you know, the Bengals have had terrible quarterbacks over the years or they were always off. I mean, they boomer size and they've had some good quarterbacks. Yes. But yes. the fact that he now owns that record um, is very funny. But, uh, you know, the next game going to be kind of, you got to, I mean, you're playing Buffalo, what, at Buffalo, right? Yeah, that's, so it's going to be a, uh... Not and, and actually that can that can kind of segue into the uh, the bet jack parlay a little bit too. Perfect timing, my friend. In fact, that is the next thing on my agenda: the bet jack parlay. And friends, time to remind you that each week we pick a handful of games. We'll give you our our thoughts on which one we'd take. The bet jack parlay and the dubcast uh, sponsored by betjack.com, the Ohio sports book made by Ohio sports fans. For Ohio sports fans, you can find it at betjack.com or do what I did and download the betjack app on your device and play along at home. Good times will be had by all. Johnny, what, what do you have for us this week? All right. So we're going to stick with the NFL 
right now there is as we are recording there is a game going on so we're not gonna do that one dallas cowboys and the and the buccaneers um dallas only two and a half point favorites in that game uh, against a team with a losing record so that's great um and maybe that's yeah, no, maybe that's tom brady effect or whatever we'll see how that game plays out but let's actually call these so we've got the three coming up uh we'll start with one that i think will be probably pretty in agreement here and this is uh Jaguars at the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City is eight and a half point favorites. I'm actually a little surprised I'm even higher than that. Yeah, me too. Because um, you're you're at Kansas City. Jacksonville survives uh, Trevor Lawrence's four interceptions in one half. And to his credit, Trev played incredibly well in the second half, and and they never got rattled. And you know, did everything that they need to do to actually win that game. All time choke job, uh, but still. You know, Jacksonville coming out there and, and pulling out that win uh, is, is pretty remarkable. Still, I, I think Kansas City easily covers this and, and wins big. Yeah, and I mean, I did. I went against Jacksonville last week, as, as you recall, uh, FML. But I'm not going to pick them this week uh, and, and throw good money after bad. I'm absolutely riding with the Chiefs. Uh, they just got too many things going for them, and they've been there before know what it takes to get back uh i'm i'm riding with the chiefs i think i had jacksonville last week just because i thought it would be funny um no good for you because it was hilarious well it is funny and it's funny because urban meyer essentially had this exact same team and uh-huh. ran them straight ran into the ground in, into the turf <laughs> and then and then a year later it's like oh no they actually are pretty talented and they yeah. could win a playoff game which they did so just maybe maybe emphasizes Meyer had no idea what he was doing at the NFL. Um, okay, so the next one then is the Giants at the Eagles. This is also a pretty, pretty big line. I don't really know a ton about either of these teams, but the Eagles have a seven and a half point favorite in this one. Yeah, I generally, you know, this we, we talk. I know about, the Eagles were great this year. I mean, they their record is is pretty fantastic, but you know, yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Like, I I don't like fat lines, you know, generally. Um, and this one isn't super fat but in a playoff game you know i'm probably more comfortable in a field goal type of scenario so mm-hmm. um i i think i may take the giants just because not to win but to but I, I don't know if they'll cover it i think it might be a tighter game than that i agree i i think that's probably especially the nfl uh playoff game this this at this point in the playoffs i i think it is going to be a little closer than that uh next one here we got the bengals at the bills um this is you know, first of all, Bills are four and a half point favorites, but this is also a situation where you're going to have a lot of emotions yes. running pretty high in this game for obvious reasons. Um, it's a playoff game. Bills might want some like measure of revenge, not because of obviously the, you know, the previous like, you know, situation, but, um, you know, just in terms of playoff wins and losses. So I don't know. What do you What are you thinking about this? Yeah, I, I'm going with Buffalo. I, I think the the emotional situation uh, there is is well, Demar. I don't know if Demar Hamlin's. I mean, I know people are saying like he might be, he might be at the game, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what that. I looks just think like. the fact that it's you know the Cincinnati game was the one where you know he had had uh, his his health issue and. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, if he is, if he is there at the game, obviously that be even more, you know, sort of a get one for the Gipper type of deal. Uh, the fact that it's at Buffalo and, and as you said, you know, the, the Bengals won, but it, you know, that was, that was a 14 point swing at the end of that game when Hubbard runs that back for, for mm-hmm. a touchdown. So it made, you know, it made the final score look a little, a little more lopsided maybe than it was. So that wasn't necessarily, 
uh, Cincinnati's best game. They're they're coming in with some momentum, I guess. But I I think at home with some some emotional momentum, if you want to call it that, to their credit, and and Buffalo had a good season, so I'm I'm going with the Bills on this one. Yeah, you know what? It, the thing about all of this is that um, the Bengals. First of all, the Bengals have been really, really, really good um, uh, for a long time, right? I mean, they 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 looked. They started the season not super great. They didn't look like they were, you know, maybe that they had it all together, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think they've they at this point, I think they won like ten straight, right? Is that is that right? I think they haven't lost since October. Um, so, you know, coming in, looking really good in general, that that's, that's nice to have that momentum on their side, but I also think that, um, you know, this is just one of those things where it's, you've got a lot of emotions in the stadium. Um, I think that, uh, I think that the bills are going to be really hyped for this game. Um, I think they'll be ready to to play um you know this is this is just one of those things where as much as i would like the Bengals to be able to pull this off i just think that uh the bills will be able to come out and and take care of business so um yeah four and a half i think sounds right and i think uh the bills probably cover that i think they'll be able to take care of business and that's it so that's 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 those are the bet jack uh parlay games that uh that we have this week yeah, outstanding. And of course, the other uh, reminder would be, as I mentioned earlier, to download the BetJack app or visit BetJack.com so you can make your picks. Maybe you'll pick better than we did. We'll find out next week. All right, Johnny, the other thing we got to do a little bit of business before we move on to Shooty Hoops. Ask us anything. I know we got some humdingers. We held over one or two from last week as well. Reach into the mailbag and, and pull out something fun. Well, let's go ahead and remind you, first of all, if you're going to send us questions, what you can ask us literally anything especially as as we are in the off season uh we want to remind you that you can send us those questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com um and again ask us literally anything so this one is from uh josh joshua f what is your party trick uh (laughs) you don't have a party trick i don't think i do oh wow that's messed up (laughs) Uh, hmm. I feel I I'm surprised. How about this? Do you have any trivia that you pull out? Oh, of, I mean, uh, like I'm that I'm you like full, to share. I'm full of useless information. Well, what's uh, what's okay? But if you're in a if you're in a party situation and everybody's sharing anecdotes and fun information, okay, oh, maybe you don't have a party trick. But what's geez. something that you like to pull out of your hat oh. to get conversation going? Oh yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know that I have anything quite catchy like that. I just, uh, I would, I would say I do a fairly good job of working <clears throat> random movie quotes okay. uh, into regular conversation, or like I'll adopt some line from a movie as just part of my general speech, and then what'll happen is uh, years and years later. I'll watch the movie that that thing came from, and it may be one of those things that I don't even remember like lifting it from the movie. It just becomes part of my 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 regular bag of phrases. And the stunning Mrs. Vance will look at me. She'll be like, is that where you came up with whatever saying it was? And you kind of have to, hee hee, yes, as a matter of fact. And just kind of, uh, you know, be a little embarrassed at the time that she didn't realize whatever it was I had stolen from some obscure movie years ago. So Right. I don't know if that counts as a party trick, but well, uh, it can't. It livens up the party. I mean, I I haven't done this in you know. I used to, of course, like a lot of guys, 
of of my physical stature. I used to be able to chug large quantities of liquid uh, at parties that may have been adult malted beverages. Um, I haven't done that in a long, long time, so I don't think that really counts. I'm kind of, you know, I won't say like Frank the Tank good, but, you know, <laughs> I, I used to be pretty capacious. All right. Fair enough. What about um, you? What do you got? Okay. So I have a number. I, I've got like some joke. I like, I like pulling out the joke, like a really lame joke. I think that that livens up mostly just because it's funny to me, not necessarily funny to anyone else. Uh, I have, I have many dad jokes that I like to just pull out of my hat. However, um, I have this one thing that I do. It's really okay. So it's not really a trick per se. Um, I call it a magic trick, but it's not actually a magic trick, but it's this weird thing where if you like stretch your arm out, okay. So like you stand facing a wall and you stretch your arm out to the wall. Okay. And you, as far as you can. Okay. So just that the tips of your fingers are facing the wall and then you hinge at the elbow and, and bring your hand up perpendicularly to your shoulder. Okay. And then you rub your elbow and then you bring your hand back down again your hand will be an inch or two away from the wall (laughs) and it makes it, it gives you the appearance that you're, that you, that you, your arm got shorter somehow and it blows people's minds when they see it. Now I've been doing it since I was a little kid. I don't know. I guess my dad or somebody showed it to me at some point. Um, And I work with little kids a lot, like, you know, in, in elementary school and it like destroys their brains. Like they see it and they lose their minds when they see it. Uh, and so I do it with adults too, and they think I'm an idiot and then they try it for themselves <laughs> and then they freak out too. So it's like, it's my own little version of what I think being like Chris Angel or, or David, <laughs> like on the street, you know, you know, those crappy videos from like 20 years ago where they're like, you know, on the street and like doing street magic and scaring people. Okay. So that's kind of how I, I get that little thrill when I do that. So that's my party trick. It's not a good party trick. I just do it a lot because it makes me laugh. No, that's fantastic. That's an excellent question, by the way, Josh. Yeah, well done. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, This one's from our good friend Alvin. What is your go-to diner order? Oh, you can't say waffles. You cannot say Waffle House. It does not count. It's got to be like a generic. It's got to be a generic. Unless you would order waffles at a generic. I I will give you my Waffle House order because it's very specific. And then I'll go ahead and give me your Waffle House order, but then give me your diner order. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. So my my Waffle House order, um, uh, T-bone medium rare, triple scrambled cheese. Scattered, smothered, double covered, chunked, capped. That's wow. the way to roll. Uh, if I really want to celebrate, I'll go with the raisin toast and apple butter, which, by the way, I think is um, an underrated Waffle House hack. If you don't know about the raisin toast and waffle butter, uh, and waffle butter, I mean, a- apple butter, you're you're missing out. They serve it with some things automatically. Uh, I don't know why, um, but other things, but it's always there. You can always get it. The raisin toast and, and apple butter do that. Love apple um, butter. Yeah, it's yeah, me too. One of one of nature's perfect foods. Um, so that is my very specific. So I would say the the generic um, diner order would be some variation of steak and eggs. Um, big big fan of steak and eggs. Eggs need to be lightly scrambled. Like I I like a really soft scramble. Um, if you go on YouTube somewhere and find like Gordon Ramsay telling you how to cook eggs, like that's the way I do it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just generally, the, the rule is don't overcook the bloody eggs. So it's steak and eggs, eggs lightly scrambled. That's, that's my role. I don't need uh, a breakfast potato. Although I will say like 
sausage gravy is one of the proofs that there is a divine creator who loves me. So uh, when I go to my, as my mother calls it, the greasy spoon, but if you're ever in uh, the, the Bexley Whitehall part of, of Columbus, go to the grill and skillet, tell them Andy sent you, you, you will get a thing called the Josh's pick, which is like uh, three eggs scrambled, three strips of bacon, um, hash browns and toast. And then I add a side of sausage gravy. You must pour the gravy over the hash browns. Oh, and, and eat them that way. That's legit. If you go to uh, Bob Evans, you, you'll you get the homestead breakfast, which is like, you know, just the way Bob intended it. You get the biscuits and gravy. Don't don't put the gravy on the biscuits. Ask for a jar of honey. Have the honey on the biscuits and put the gravy over the home fries. That's, mm, that sounds pretty good. It is freaking fantastic. But yeah, that's that's kind of my diner jam. All right, sounds good. I, you know what, I am always curious to see variations on, um, on various dishes. You know what I mean? Just see yeah. how it's done different places. Like a lot of yeah. times, when I was a kid, I was like, I want to try their burger. I just want to see what the burger tastes like at every yes. different place. But honestly, when I'm going to a diner, I feel like my go-to is always the uh, the club sandwich. I just want to see what their clubs like because diners usually a pretty good club sandwich. Pretty good clubs, absolutely. And you know, I'm not super specific. I don't have like you know, a particular way to order it. I just want to see what their take on it is. I want to see if they do anything different, even if they don't, even if it's just a standard club, it's usually pretty good. Um, so I just, I don't know. Is there something about a diner club? And then I usually get, I usually actually get uh, chips with that because, you know, sometimes if I'm feeling sassy, I'll go ahead and put those chips on the sandwich. You know, I feel like, I feel like a club asks for chips. Yeah. Um, and it's well-situated. It's layered, you know? It's, you I, know. F- I feel like I'm trying to think like when I was a kid, uh, you know, Hillsborough, Ohio in my younger days didn't have like a plethora of restaurants. Now, by the time I was in high school, more fast food places had come in and, and so on. But like Frisch's Big Boy was kind of the mm, height. Yeah. That's of... my, that's the standard for me for, uh, for a, a good club sandwich. So, it. so that my favorite thing, I, I would always order, um, a super big boy. The super big boy I, to me is still one of the perfect, uh, oh, I love it! It's you delicious. know, hamburgers in 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 the business. It's it, far superior to the Big Mac. I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I when I when I go to the when I go to McDonald's, I do not get a Big Mac. It's a double quarter pounder with cheese. But but Frisch's Big Boy is what the the Super Big Boy is what the Big Mac wants to be when it grows up. Uh, far <laughs> superior in every way. Uh, it it really is. It's delightful. But when I would need a change up, my change up was, was a club. Mm. Um, and I feel like you could get club, the club. I haven't done this in 30 some years, 35 years probably, but I feel like the club they served with like, like, um, what I want to say ridged, like wavy type potato chips, but they're the really tight ripples. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's legit. The other thing I'll do at a diner other, I almost always default to breakfast at a diner, but uh, a patty melt, a good patty melt, uh, yeah. would be my. Would, I would go to, at a diner diner. I would go with a patty melt over the club. Although I do love a good club sandwich. So patty melt was my uh, patty melt was my grandma's order at uh, Frisch. She loved that. Grandma was... would always get the Swiss Miss. That was that was her deal. Oh, Which, there you go. By the way, if you're feeling saucy, uh, order order the big boy with the Swiss Miss bun. That that rye bun. Ooh yeah. That was that was good. That was a nice legit alteration to the super big boy. Maybe she got the Swiss one. I can't remember. It, it had a right bun. I can't remember. It might have been that one too. I don't know. 
I do know that she made her own lemonade by ordering water with a lot of lemons and then just put a bunch of sweet. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> I was always impressed by that. That's, that's a life <laughs> hack right there. Like, that's right. God, God bless um, grandma. Yeah. So long story short, Frisch's is the best place to eat. Um, all right. So this last one here, this is from Kevin. He says, with football done, I know we're going to cover other sports, uh, you know, the big revenue sports in the offseason as well. What other Ohio State sports do you think are good follows besides the the obvious? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been uh, on the record as, as saying Ohio State wrestling is about the, the best kept secret. Um, yeah, know, and he does and, mention wrestling. He does, this, you know, obviously, you know, wrestling is going to be on there. But like, yeah, for the for, sure. for the ones that don't have recently, how about this? The ones that don't have recently built facilities, <laughs> what uh, what are some of the offseason, uh, you know, sports that we can be paying attention well, to? Well, I got to tell you, the one that I think, and, and actually this is going to be a significant uh, I'll just say this was the next segment of the program. The sport that I have, shame on me, not been paying nearly enough attention to that is absolutely at the top of my quote-unquote off-season watch list, Ohio State women's basketball. Yep, there you go. That's number, what I was going to say, too. Number two in the AP poll, tying the best ranking in program history. Undefeated. 18-0. Yeah, these women are kicking ass and taking names. Uh, it has been really, really impressive to watch what they're doing. Um, the last time the Buckeyes were ranked number two in the AP poll was way back, 2004-05. They were ranked second from uh, for, for about two weeks in February. And then March, the following season, for about a week under then-HUD coach Jim Foster, um, the Buckeyes have wins over uh, four teams that were ranked at the time. They've, they upended Tennessee, Louisville, Oregon, and Michigan. That's a, a program record that keeps improving. Um, it's it's really, really impressive what they have done. Uh, and and if you're not watching them, they're they're everything <laughs> the men's team is not at the moment. Right. Uh they are clutch, they are have got their shit together, they win in crunch time. Really, really impressive. Um, yeah, you, you gotta be watching them. They're hey. hosting Northwestern on Thursday. Oh, yeah. And then next week, back to back, uh, back to back games, number 10 Iowa at home, and then number six Indiana on the road. Uh so January, I mean, they're gonna earn their stripes if if they win two out of three of those. Uh and definitely if they win all three. I mean, I to me that's number one team in the country. Hey, guess what? You know who you know another women's team that's like super freaking awesome that we don't talk about nearly enough? Tell me more. Uh the defending national champions, women's uh hockey are out there destroying people and rank number one in the country right now. So, you know, and, and they play and they God, and their rank is just there there are like 20 other better youth ranks in the state than uh than what they have that they're on. So um yeah, I think they deserve a lot of attention. And given that they're defending national champions at a point that I want to emphasize, um, yeah, I think they deserve a lot of credit too and a lot of attention. And hopefully we can give them some more of that um, as the as their season progresses as well. So that's a great question. And all of them were great. Thank you for sending those in. And uh, we'll keep answering them. Fantastic stuff. All right, let's uh, talk about the other basketball team at Ohio State, the men's basketball program. So while the women are rewriting the record books and lining the world of fire. The men are a house on fire, uh, not playing like a house on fire, just like the house is on fire. Yeah, they're bad. Losing streak here, you know, and it started out with that really close loss to Purdue. They hung with the number one team in the country, even without Zed key. I was, I was thinking, okay, all right, they're, they're on the cusp of something. And then the Maryland loss, 
kind of ugly. And then, you know, this last one, uh, just a, a dumpster fire. So you're on this yeah. losing streak. And, and part of me says, you know, Holtman teams have had a tendency to really stink it up in January. They, they've tended to look good in, you know, November, December, they've tended to look <laughs> much less good in January. Maybe this is just the January slump, but I, I don't know. It's one of those things that it, it feels like a ship without a rudder, frankly. I, I really don't know. I don't know what to make I thought it was really funny that they were talking about, you know, so Bryce Sensabaugh was was sat, you know, at the beginning of, of this past game. And, um, you know, Holtman kind of implied that, you know, against Rutgers and Holtman implied that was sending a message. And I'm like, what, what message are you sending? Because I get that you want him to play better on defense. That's fine. And I understand that he's been the team's leading scorer in every one of these games. Um, yes, they have lost all of these games, but he's without him scoring 20 points a game. Uh, these would be much worse losses than they already were. Yeah. So I don't know, man, maybe, maybe sit some other guys and like ask them not to just completely stink it up on the offensive side of the ball, or maybe, or maybe like learn how to, you know, deal with the press and handle inbound inbound passes correctly and all this other stuff. And like, you know, just suing coming out against Rutgers and just, I mean, terrible performance on his part, three for 10 from the field, um, you know, missing all of his threes, uh, scoring seven points, even though you played in like, you know, 35 minutes, something like that. I mean, it's not, you know, you look at this and you're like, I don't think that Bryson's ball is really the issue. I, I think there are a lot of other guys who, who can share the blame on this. And um, yeah, it's, there are other issues. There are other areas that need to improve here, but they've lost four in a row. And, and that's why I think, you know, back in December, when we were talking about this team, I was like a little trepidatious, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to go all in because this is why, I mean, I, you get into the big 10 season, this, this happens a lot. You get into the big 10 season and it's more physical. They've got to play really mistake-free basketball at certain points, like especially in crunch time. And they just don't seem capable of doing that. Um, so the thing is, I mean, look, Ohio state, the big 10 is a tough conference, right? It's not amazing top to bottom, but you still got to play a lot of pretty good teams. Now, hopefully at Nebraska, that's a team that you can kind of write the ship, you know, against a little bit, but Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, like these are not pushover teams. Wisconsin, Michigan, I mean, even Michigan, which is kind of all over the place, um, you know, you're not going to have an easy out, I guess is my point, pretty much in through February. Um, and, and that's just the case in this conference. So right now I think they're setting at like the seventh, you know, <laughs> they have seventh best odds in the, in the conference to win, whereas, you know, two weeks ago they might have had the first or second best odds. Uh, that's how fast this stuff can change. So they really, really need to figure out something. And I don't know. I mean, I get that Holtman wants to send a message to his young guy that you got to be all in and blah, blah, blah. But since the ball doesn't seem like the issue right now, I don't think that's the problem. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And I, I would say, you know, coach, Hey, if your guy ain't playing defense, uh, the way you want him to be, maybe get better at coaching defense. I, you know, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> you've got the talent on the roster that's the thing you know you're you're looking at I mean, what's the easy here. out here that that's the thing though man like they do have the talent right and so you're looking at this and you're like okay well if the talent isn't beating these teams right 
then maybe it's the coaching because i, I mean yeah absolutely because the to me. yeah because the because the talent is definitely good enough to hang with pretty much anybody right like yeah, I think, they showed i mean they showed it against purdue right right, right. I mean, they right. Did. so if that's the case right if that's the case i don't think that the talent is going to get demonstrably better right in the next like four or five games right they may play better in certain ways they may play better defense or whatever but not to the point where it's like okay well they clearly were holding back or not doing what they need to do against purdue or whoever or duke or anything like that like they played fairly well in some of these games that they ended up losing uh i really do think that it comes down to coaching i think that's the huge part of it here and again it doesn't get any easier you're going to be playing teams that are capable of beating you um and like i don't know i'm just looking at the schedule man and i'm like there is if you lost these previous four games you could lose the next six or seven like that's that's just what you know looking at the schedule that's what it looks like i mean shoot there's (laughs) who's the like i'm looking at the schedule who's the easiest team to beat it's michigan and even that is still going to be tough because you've got to go at michigan it's obviously they're going to be desperate. It's going to be a rivalry game. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, you could, you could, I mean, it's not going to happen, but you could say they could lose every single game here on out. Now, of course they won't, they'll win the games. They'll, they'll probably be above 500, but um, yeah, all of these are going to be dog fights and that really lies on the coaching to get the team mentally prepared to do that. And setting your best score to start the game is, is a really lame way to try to, you know, fix that problem. Cause that ain't, that ain't the issue. Yeah. hundred percent agree with that. And, and uh, I, I think at the end of the season, you know, if they don't get where, if they don't get where they think they need to be, you know, deep in both tournaments, Holman's not going to be able to talk him himself out of this. I mean, it's going to be pretty obvious. I'm telling you, man, the talent, because the talent is there. Uh, if they the don't talent is there time. and they they're bringing in dudes who are good uh but he's just he's not and look and people were kind of scoffing at me last year when i was saying like you know if you can't if you can't get this thing going and and show some progress then i'm done with this guy uh, and that's what i was saying at the end of last year i was like i can't like you're just going to see the same thing you're going to see the same thing over and over and over again and what are we doing this year it's the same thing it's the exact same thing um, I don't think that'll be enough even this season unless that they completely fall apart. I don't think it'll be enough for a guy like Gene Smith to get rid of this guy. But for me, like I don't expect anything more from this dude at this point because he has really kind of shown us year after year, really, that it's going to be a team that gets the NCAA tournament. They might win the first round, and then that's about it. That's about what his ceiling is. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, look, again, could they correct – you know, correct the course and, and do great and win the Big Ten tournament. Of course, they have the talent to do that. They have a talent to make a, a Final Four run. I don't think they will. And I think it comes down to coaching as the reason why. Yep, totally agree with that. And uh, I think I think these next couple weeks uh, are going to show us, you know, can... I'm going to watch a lot of women's hockey. How about that? Uh, women's basketball. And women's basketball. Women's basketball. We'll keep you abreast of what happens uh, with the, the revenue sports as well as these uh, uh, seriously underrated women's teams. Hope you join in the fun as well. And I'll have some updates on what's happening with the wrestling program as we get into the heart of conference uh, duels there as well. Uh, we'll talk about those things and, and further updates in the world of uh, the college football offseason all coming 
in the next edition of the 11 Dubcast. Until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.